Good evening, everybody. It's good to see you tonight. We've been talking about uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 for the last couple of months. And the purpose of us looking at that is to really focus on this central Scripture in Bible, in the Bible, that deals with spiritual gifting. And it deals with spiritual gifting and how that gifting is supposed to work in the church and how that gifting is supposed to unfold in the church. And we want to have a really good understanding of that. You know, I don't want to shut something out of the church that God wants in it. Do you? We don't want to shut something out that God wants in it, right? And we don't want to do things by tradition that aren't really scriptural. We, want it, we don't want to be a traditional church. We want to be a biblical church. We want to be biblical in every way. And so that's why we've been looking at this Scripture uh, so, uh, so intently is to say, okay, how, does, uh, the, how do these giftings work in the church, and how does, uh, you know, especially the gift of tongues and some of these things work in the church? So we're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight and then a little bit more next uh, Wednesday night. And then we're going to take the month of August, and the month of August we're going to talk about the Psalms. We're going to look at the five major divisions of the Psalms, what they say to us, what they mean to us, and the power of the Psalms in our lives today. There's a purpose in the Psalms for our lives today, We want to look at what that is and understand it so that when we go through certain things, we know where to go to get help and what the Spirit will do in our lives through that. And then we're going to come out of that into September, and we're going to spend about four or five weeks talking about uh, four or five parables and what those parables uh, have to say to us and why we should know them. So... uh, Let's stand together tonight and let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 19. And we're backing up to 19. We looked at it briefly last week, but I wanted to tie us, tie it together with this week. So we're going to look at verse 19, and then we're going to read on down through this passage as we begin to get to the end of this, this focus on. Uh, order in the church and the gifts in the church and how these things work. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 19 says, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So here we see Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's giving us this, this thought of the church and being in church. The church gathering together to do its purpose. And once again, he's emphasizing the importance of what we do in that setting, being filled with understanding. And he says, I'd rather speak you know, five words in your understanding uh, in order to instruct than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written by people of, a, of strange tongues 
and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even they will, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Now, we've been talking about this for several months now, so really listen to this verse. Thus, tongues are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecies is not a sign for unbelievers, but for believers. If, they're, if therefore, now, now we go to verse 23, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, Will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by, by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you'd help us to clearly understand it tonight, to walk in the center of your will in this tonight for the glory of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. At, at, at the first reading of this verse, it seems like it implodes logically upon itself. It's like he has been saying one thing for a chapter and a half two chapters. Then he takes one verse, turns it on its ear, and then immediately changes back midway to another opinion. But it's, it's really not that way at all. You have to understand, this is why we've taken, this verse is partly why we've taken all this time to look at chapter 12 and 13, and the first part of 14. You have to understand, as Paul did, the various uses of the gift of tongues, they really begin to understand what he was saying. Remember, he's just said, I would rather speak five words in your understanding than 10,000 words you can't understand. And in verse 20, he really is pushing them. This is a church that has, you know, been birthed, They've had a spiritual experience. They've learned a little bit about the gifts. People have been baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, with the gift of tongues. If you remember, there were false tongues taking place in the temple of Aphrodite. False things were happening there, so it was very natural for them to carry that into the, the, the Corinth church. This is why he says to them, if any spirit says Jesus is accursed, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's not from God. He's really trying to help them understand and, and to grow in their mind and to grow in their thinking. One of the main abuses that's happening in this church is this hierarchy of power of people trying to be, trying to show themselves as more spiritual than other people. Jesus turns all of that on its head, and he says, if you're going to be great in the kingdom, you're a servant to all, not you are some super spiritual star. The servant is the one who's great in the kingdom. But they've got this all turned around. They've got the world all mixed up in it, and they are now believing that if they're really spiritual, 
that, that the sign of that is this gift of tongues that he has seen and he's telling them that they're being abusive with it. And yet he's very careful through these three chapters to not dismiss it. He's very careful not to say, listen, that's just craziness, that's not real, that's of the devil, that's not really true. No, he's very careful to lift it up and put it in its proper place as something that is for every believer and that we should seek. That as there are some gifts that are just for some believers, the prayer language is for every believer, and he's very clear, the Holy Spirit's very clear, he wants everyone to have this gift. He wants this to be something that we pursue. So he's telling them, listen, don't think like babies. What he's basically saying to them is, listen, grow up. Grow up. You're jumping around and screaming and doing all of this stuff, and it's of no use. It's not any good. You're, you're praying in tongues. There's no one. It's not building anybody up. It's not strengthening the, the, the body. It's not doing it. It's just a bunch of craziness. And if the outsider came in, that's what they're going to say it is. They're going to say it's crazy. He says, so grow up in your thinking. In regard to sin, in regards to sin, be infants in your thinking. Just don't even understand it. Don't get it. Don't, don't look to it. But be mature in how you see things in the church. Get some maturity in your thinking. So, all that Paul says in chapter 14 for the church is that in all of these gifts, it centers around a couple of things. The main thing I want to emphasize tonight is it centers on understanding that the gifts are something that are going to be that you should that will bring understanding, build people up, strengthen them, edify them, strengthen them, and he wants us to understand this, and he wants what the ha- what happens in the church to be something that other people, the lost people, can come in and understand. So now, now let's look at verse 21, because this is a a key verse for us to understand. In the law it is written, this is referring back to some Old Testament scriptures, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Now we get, it really gets confusing. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Now that's the opposite. It seems to be the opposite of what he said all the way through these two chapters, three chapters. Well, prophecy is not a sign for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and the outsider unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? That's the opposite of what it, it seems like what he's just said. He's just said, hey, this is a sign for the unbeliever, and now he says, if the unbeliever comes in and you're doing this, he's, they're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're out of your mind. But if all prophesying an unbeliever outsider comes in, 
Now, here, here's where you get a little bit of insight into the gift, of pro, the prophetic gift being used in the church. One, he is convicted by all that he hears. He understands it. It's revealing. It convicts him. He's called to account by all that he hears. It's this revelation that he suddenly feels like he's been exposed. The Holy Spirit has moved in his life. If you've ever sat in a church service and you've thought, boy, that preacher's been following me around this week. The preacher hasn't been following you around. The Holy Spirit's been following you around. And the Holy Spirit's speaking, trying to speak to your life through the message. The preacher doesn't know it. He just knows he's led to say this. So he's convicted by all for account. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. Things he doesn't think anybody knows are suddenly, suddenly revealed, which draws him, if he has any inkling towards God at all, to fall on his face and worship God and declare that God is really among them. So let's look at this. He says, God will send people of strange tongues and lips of foreigners. I will speak to this people, but they won't listen. The tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Again, isn't that just the opposite of what he's been saying and what he goes on to say? And the answer to that is no, it's not. Well, you have to remember and understand, you have to remember what happened on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues, what happened? The people heard them in their own languages. They understood them. They said, how do these unlearned people, how do these people speak to us in our language? And they were glorifying God in their language. They were magnifying God in the language that the people, when they heard it, said, that's my native language. And they, they got it in their own language glorifying God. That's the sign for the unbeliever. That's the sign... Let me rock your world, some of you, a little bit here. Me praying in tongues is a real thing. It edifies me. It strengthens me. It is not a sign to the unbeliever. That's not the sign. The unbeliever doesn't come in and go, oh, wow, I've never heard that before. That, that's, that's, that's great. Paul says it right here. He says, they don't, that's not what they say. They come in and they listen to a church doing that, and they go, these people are out of their minds. They've lost their equilibrium. On the other side, uh, believers don't need that to happen. I don't need somebody to come in that is a foreigner, doesn't know my language, and suddenly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, speak my language and tell me something. 
I don't need that. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. What I need is a prophetic word spoken to me that by faith I receive. I don't need the sign of tongues to come to me that way. I need the the anointing of the Spirit to come to me that way that gives me a word that cuts into my heart and reveals truth to me that I receive because I'm a believer and I trust my friend who is a believer and I'm hearing from God. And so the believer receives it in faith. So this isn't just somebody speaking in tongues or saying something. Paul makes it very clear in the next verse. And, and <laughs> this is a verse that I, I rarely hear traditional Pentecostals quote. You don't, you don't hear, they kind of, we kind of skip this one. And I come from a very traditional Pentecostal background, but this is one that gets skipped a lot of times. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and an outsider or unbeliever enters, will they not say you are out of your minds? That is not a scripture that gets quoted a lot. But it's a scripture. Why does it get quoted? Because we want to we think that because we're having this Pentecostal experience that, that's real to us and alive to us and true to us and edifying us, that somebody that doesn't know is going to come in and be awed by it. God himself, through the Holy Spirit, inspiring his word, is telling us, no, they won't. That's not how they receive it at all. Now, if you speak their language that they know you don't know, that blows them away. But if you just get up and start praying or, uh, in tongues, that, they, they, that doesn't impress them. Just like tonight, if we all gathered around this altar at the end of the service and, uh, and, and I said, hey, let's just all pray in, in our prayer language. We could do that. There would be no problem with us doing that. We're a bunch of believers here tonight. Maybe somebody else that's been wanting the Holy Spirit gets filled with the Holy Spirit while other people are praying in the Spirit. But we're believers. That's not a problem at all. If, if we all, as we talked last week, if we all got around here and I just said, hey, let's just worship God together and let's just, let's just praise God and we're singing. And I say, okay, now, now let's just take the next few minutes. We've been praying in our understanding. Now let's pray from our spirit. I have been many, many places where, where a bunch of believers are gathered together in pastors' meetings and other places, and you begin, people begin to sing in the Spirit together, and it's a beautiful, awesome thing where the presence of God moves in a mighty and powerful way. It's no problem. But why is that? It's a bunch of believers together. It's a bunch of believers hanging out together. But if an unsaved person comes in, somebody doesn't know God, they walk in the middle of that. They've not, been in, they've not, they've not heard about this. They haven't been around this. They, they, they come in and he says, they're just going to think you're crazy. They're not going to want to be like you. They're going to want to run from you. That's what's going to happen in that setting. 
But again, if that person walked in and they're from some country with an obscure language and God inspires somebody and they begin to speak and in their native language they begin to tell them about the glory of God, that's a whole different story. God's glorified. This is what becomes the sign. It all comes back to understanding that God doesn't just he just throw, he, he wants us to understand. He wants us to grow. Now in verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 24, it says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted. What's happened in the middle of this prophecy? What he needs to be encouraged in, he gets encouraged in. What he needs to be challenged in, he gets challenged in. What God wants to reveal, he reveals until the person begins to feel everybody in here knows what's going on in my life. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed, which calls him to fall on his face and he will worship God. So, you know, you're sitting here and somebody says, know this, God is saying to you that you don't believe in him, but he knows the fears of your heart. Aging is depressing you. You're growing more and more fearful every day. You tried to hold on to your youth, but you feel the weight of your years. Many in your family have died at your age, and you are now struggling to sleep at night. He wants you to know he loves you and he cares for you. Now, listen, if an unbeliever walks into a service and somebody says that, and that's what's been going on all week in his life, what's just happened to him? He's had a sign from God. He's had a word that he can understand that speaks to his heart, that speaks to his condition, that speaks to what's going on in his life, and he is brought to conviction. This is what Paul's trying to teach us. Paul's Paul's trying to take this church that's been way out of order. And he's trying to say, listen, don't throw the good things out but don't keep doing what you're doing. He's trying to bring them into spiritual order so that what God wants to do, he can do. Now, let me tell you what happens generally inside the church world. One or two things happen generally inside the church world in America today. Either they are afraid or refuse to or have accepted false doctrine and just do not want to give direction to what's happening in their services and their church order. They're afraid to do it for whatever reason, and the church is just functioning out of order. That church generally, I don't know of anyone that doesn't say, extremely small with a small group of believers in it, and just kind of rests there with all of them being excited about what they're doing and thinking it's going to bring great revival, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't. That fruit just doesn't happen. The general thing that happens on the other side of it is people who say, you know what, we're supposed to be bearing fruit. This is crazy. It's not bearing fruit. We're going to stop it. 
or we're going to pastor a church that doesn't do it. We're going to preach against it. And they close it down, and maybe they see people saved, maybe they have fruit, and maybe they grow, but a whole dynamic of the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be happening inside of their church doesn't happen because they're, they're either afraid of it or because of abuse they've come to deny it. Paul is saying all through this Scripture, don't do either one of those things. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't be infants in your thinking. Grow up in your thinking. Get your head together about this. Understand how this works. Put things in order. There's a great dynamic of the Holy Spirit that's available for the church that you don't want to miss. Don't miss it. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, he's saying, listen, you should long for that. You should seek it. God wants you to have it. It will edify you. It will build you up. I wish you all did this. That's what Paul's saying to us. On the other side, he's saying to us, listen. He's saying to this church in Corinth in particular. He's saying, listen, what you're doing is not biblical. It's not, it's not scriptural. It's not God-led. This is the right way to, to walk. Let me teach you how to do this so that what will happen in your church will be filled with the life of the Spirit of God. And then he says, now when it happens, and what he teaches us is when these things happen, don't just think that you throw the door open, whatever happens, happens, and you've got to accept whatever takes place it doesn't matter if it's this one person saying the same thing week after week, over and over again, giving the same message. You've got to accept it because the Spirit's moving. You've got to, you just got to receive what it doesn't matter if it's not scriptural. doesn't matter if it doesn't relate to anybody. doesn't matter what it is. You just got to accept it. No, he says this. He teaches us, judge it. The leaders of the church should judge it. Now, when the leaders of the church judge something, guess what that means? That means sometimes the leaders of the church go, you know what, we just heard this call that we should all come fall on our knees and worship God. And we believe God's speaking to us today. What should we then do? Come fall on our knees before God, shouldn't we? Now, what, I mean, you should do what the Spirit's saying, if the Spirit says something like that to us. If the Spirit says and, and calls somebody to repent us, then the, then the church should stop and say, okay, somebody needs to repent. We're going to give you a chance to repent. You should pay attention to what the Spirit said. Now, here's the other the, the one that gets tough. What happens when the pastor comes up, the leader comes up and says, you know, we've been talking over here and we listen to that word and Sister, we love you so much. Brother, we love you so much. We, we thank you for, you know, your, your, uh, your walk with God. But uh, that, that wasn't it today. That was not a word for us today. We're going to go on and worship God. We love our brother, and uh, we're going to move on. That's okay, too. That's fine, too. Now, how's the, how does that person feel? Well, hopefully they just feel, oh, I, I need to learn something here. 
Hopefully they don't feel, I'll never do that again. Hopefully what they feel is, oh, that, that wasn't it. This is why we say, uh, and we'll look at this more next week as we look at it. This is why we say, if you feel like you have a word, uh, especially on a Sunday morning, you feel like you have a word, you should come up to one of the pastors and say, hey, I, th- I think I may have a word for today. And we're going to say, what is it? And we're going to say, hey, that's a great word, or, or no, yeah, give me a minute and we'll give you, there's going to be a place in service, we're going to let you share that. Or we may say, you know what, that's a great word, or that's a word for you, and God bless you, but that's not for everybody else. Or we might say, let's talk about that after church, because that really doesn't match up with Scripture. But that's what you do in the, in, in the setting where there's people who are not believers. That's what you, in a setting like this, we can be a little more open. In a setting like this, we can allow the Spirit to move and somebody to say something. And in the middle of it, it may, be, it may be right in the center of God's will or it may not be. And, and we say it and we go, boy, that was a nice word, but that's not from God. Uh, let's move on. But there has, all of that has to be free for us to be healthy, for us to be able to do what God would have us to do. And what happens when that happens is mature people who mature in their thinking begin to learn. They begin to become more sensitive. They begin to become people that can flow in the, in the Spirit. And there's certain people that, you know, they kind of get the green light. You know, we, we've had people here and still have people in our church to this day that, you know, we, I've talked, we've talked with them. They know they got the green light. If they say they've got a word, I believe them because my history with them and the history of the pastors here with them is when they say they got a word, they know, what it, they know it. They've proven themselves, and, and they're mature, and they've, they've, they've gotten there, and that's where we want to see that kind of thing grow. So even, even in our small groups, you may somebody in that group may feel like they have a word to share, and, and I would encourage small group leaders to, to those who they know and they know are mature to be able to say to them, hey, if you ever say, if you have a word, just tell me, I'll let you share your word. And others say, hey, if you got a word, if you think you got a word to share, tell it to me. And I'll, I'll, if I feel like the Lord would have us to share it in the whole group, I will. I'll give you a chance to do that. Because we want the Spirit to be able to, to move on us. And next week we'll really look at, you know, how we're... Where is spontaneity in the middle of this? Where is spontaneity in the middle? Some, some people, it's not the Holy Spirit if it's spontaneous, if it's not spontaneous. And yet we don't look at teaching that way. We don't look at a lot of other things that way. We know that the Spirit of God can move us, and the Spirit pretty clearly tells us about this as we look next week at this a little bit. So, uh, here's what I just want you to, to do today. We were talking about this whole aspect of the gift of prophecy that is this clear, understandable word that's inspired by God in our life that will encourage somebody, strengthen somebody, build somebody. That God uh, leads us either to share with the body or to share with an individual.
And so what we're going to do is we're going to take about two or three, four minutes here. And I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. And just as the Lord leads you to pray for people. And just listen to see if the Lord gives you an encouraging word for somebody. Now, maybe that person isn't here tonight. Maybe they live in another state. Uh, phones still work. We can still call people. You don't have to do it right now. Maybe there's somebody in here that before you leave here tonight, God's telling you, go talk to them. Share a word with them. And, and let's just see, it, you know, I'm not saying that this is going to happen to everybody, but there may be several of us in this room tonight that God has a word he wants you to share with somebody. And you just haven't taken time to listen. And so let's take about the next three minutes, bow our heads and just pray and say, God, I'm praying for my friends, I'm praying for my family. Is there anything you'd tell me to say to them? Anything. All right, go ahead and pray. Father, your word tells us to seek, to desire uh, gifts that build up the body. Your word tells us that being used in this prophetic gift that strengthens and courage and builds others up is, is one that you would have all of us to have and that you would encourage us, the Father, that we should, we should seek this. And so tonight, Lord, we just simply take a moment to wait before you uh, to say to us, uh, Father, anything you'd have us to share with somebody else. And, Lord, we recognize that may be somebody who's a long way away, and it may be somebody who's in this room. And that we need to learn how to, uh, to just simply say it and to be strengthened by it and to, and to strengthen others by it. So uh, help us. And, Lord, if we have felt that word since that word, or if tonight when we get home we're laying in bed, you drop somebody on our heart, let us not be afraid uh, to go about the business of your kingdom and to go and say something to somebody that will help them and strengthen them and, and build them up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and come down around the altar tonight. Let me give you a, a couple of thoughts and instructions in this uh, that I think will help you. One, when I feel like I'm supposed to share something with somebody, uh, I generally don't go to them and say, thus saith the Lord. You know? <laughs> uh, generally, what I'm going to do to them is go to them and say, hey, brother, you know, Don, love you, man. Been praying for you. And I just sense this word I'm supposed to share with you. Now, you've got to judge whether it's real or not, whether it's really meaningful to you or not. And so I'm just going to share this word with you, and then you judge it. And, and that, that takes the pressure out of it in that moment. He, he knows I'm not bossing him around. I'm not trying to make him do something. I'm just sharing what's on my heart with him. And, and, and if the Holy Spirit's in it, it's going to come, it's, he's going to come alive in that. 
And, and the person may look at you and go, oh, thank you, and walk away. And maybe there's nothing there. Maybe they come back two months later and go, hey, that, that really helped me in that moment. I was just afraid to tell you. Uh, or maybe they tell you right then, that really helped me. Now, here, here's the second thing I, I would tell you. If, if you're going to share a word with somebody, judge it yourself. Take a look at it. Is this encouraging? Somebody talked to me this way. Would I be encouraged? Somebody said this to me. Would I be, would I be strengthened? Would I be built up, medified? Uh, okay, then I've got, I've got a word for them. I'm going to go try to share this with them. And then the, the, the third thing I'd say in the middle of all this is this. I have found that with most folks, when we have something we're going to share, we have a hard time starting and we have a hard time stopping. Right? So what, what happens is, is, you, is you don't know how to get started, so you're kind of awkward and you're kind of, hey, can we talk? And you're kind of awkward getting started. That's why to go up to somebody and say, hey, I've been praying for you and thinking about you, and I've got something I want to share with you that I think may be from God, and, and you, you judge it. Gets you started. The, the, now, now we know where we're going. We're going to share something. And then I would tell you uh, to, to make sure you have it in your head. What am I going to say? Uh, and and, and kind of even practice it a little bit. Think it over a little bit. Uh, let the Spirit kind of hone it down. Now, you don't want to think it over to the point where you're getting it bigger and bigger. You're wanting to get it smaller and smaller. And you just kind of hone it down, and you're looking for, how am I going to end this? How am I going to end it? What's, what's the last? Because here's what happens. You, you say the word to them. Hey, brother, I've just been praying about you, and God says, whatever you're going through right now, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but whatever you're going through right now, God says he's with you and he's paying attention to what's going on in your life. He just wants you to know you are not forgotten. And then Jim just stands there and looks at me. And I go, really? Uh, he, and, and you start rambling because we're afraid of silence. It's okay at that point to say, that's all I got to say. That's all I got. I'm done. Okay, you keep shaking your head. I'm going to walk away over here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, it's, it, you know, their response isn't what matters at that moment. The, what, what matters is that you say, hey, I, I've, I brought this to the end. This is what God told me to say. I've said it. Done. Done. Now, it's theirs. It's their word now. It's not my word anymore. It's their word. They, ha- they have every right to reject it. They have every right to embrace it. It's not really your word. It's God's word through you to them. You're just the instrument that God, you, because you love them and you care about them, you're sharing something with them. And that can happen with a lost person. You go to a, a person you say, you know what, <sighs> you, know, you and I have talked about faith a lot of times, but uh, I know you don't. But, but God, God, I was praying for you the other day, and God just wants you to know how much he loves you and he has a great plan for your life that's full of life and joy and purpose. And, and he just wants you to clearly hear that. Boy, for the person who's lost, for you to share that word with them, that can, they, they, they may respond in all sorts of ways. But if it's truly the word of God, what's it going to do? It's going to call to them. 
This becomes a, a sign for them that God's speaking to them. Something they're missing, something's going on, begins to get revealed in them. But we have to be willing to, uh, uh, to share that. All right. Uh, does anybody have a word for us tonight? Something you want to share tonight? We're just, it's just us believers here. Anybody want to share something? Now's your chance. I'm going to give you that chance. How many of you um, have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You don't have a prayer language uh, that we've been talking about, and you'd like to have it someday. Just raise your hand if that's you. We're not going to do anything weird to you tonight, but you'd like to have it someday. All right. All right. Raise your hand real high. Anybody else? All right. Father, we just pray for these who, who raise their hand tonight. They are open willing to receive what you would give to them that would edify and build up and strengthen their life. And, and I, I just pray that sometime in these next days as they shut themselves in alone with you, as they ask you for this gift, as they're praying about other things, that you would just begin to flow in their life that you just begin to move in their life and let them walk in the freedom and the power of your spirit. Father, shut the enemy out of our thinking, shut the enemy out of our lives. And Father, just fill them gloriously with the fullness of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna share two things and we're gonna go home. For those of you who are seeking the Holy Spirit, rarely, rarely, do people just find themselves walking down the street and suddenly praying in the Spirit? Now, I say that for the first time. You may be walking down. If you're Spirit-filled, you may have that experience where the Spirit begins to move in your life and you're walking down the street. But usually the first time, that's not how it happens. Where it usually happens the first time is when you're seeking God. When you're praying, you're praying for something, you're seeking God for something, and in the middle of that prayer time, the Spirit begins to really move in your life. Uh, the biggest hang-up that I know that keeps people from really beginning to experience this gift is this thought that God's going to make me do it. And they kind of set their jaw and wait for God to grab them and make them say something. And that's just, uh, in my experience, that's just not the, way, not the way the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is subject to us. It says in these passages that we control what happens there, that He will not force us. So what happens is as you pray from your understanding, if the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit moves in you and you cooperate, you begin to pray from your spirit. And it's the Spirit moving in you. I, I believe that there are people that the Spirit's moving in their life many times, and they just haven't released the gift in their life. They just haven't let go. And, and I will tell you, I think there's absolutely an important aspect of this, that by faith we let go and begin to pray in the Spirit for us to receive the benefits of, of being a person who prays in the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit's just wanting you to, to have faith in Him and trust Him. 
And as you begin to pray in it, you feel that release, and it gets freer and freer and easier and easier. Amen? Now, for all of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and you've got a prayer language, I just want to call you. Don't sit on it. Exercise it. Exercise in your prayer life at home. Exercise it. Use it in prayer times with a bunch of believers. Exercise it. Don't be afraid of it. Just exercise. Don't wait for, you know, the right song to be sung or something to happen. Exercise the gift that you have. God's given it to you for a reason. Amen? Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, and I just pray you'd help us to walk in maturity of faith, maturity in our thinking, and let our church truly be a biblically Pentecostal, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led body of believers, prophesying to one another, speaking words of wisdom and knowledge to one another. Father, seeing miracles happen, seeing your work done in our midst, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord and have a great night tonight.